This past week, my mom celebrated her birthday. And my mom, uh, some of you have got to meet her. She uh, is a resident over at Ridgewood, but uh, she has this deep love for gardening and plants and flowers, and it's evident in her room. I mean, her room is filled with plants and flowers, and she just has this incredible knack, and she always has for cultivating just about any plant and getting just about any type of plant or flower to thrive and flourish, even in a nursing home room. Um, It's amazing to me. Now, I, on the other hand, often joke that I can't even keep a fake flower alive, all right? Um, It's complete opposites. And uh, it's a mystery to me how she manages to do it. I I think that she has some sort of magical soil that she just doesn't want to tell me about. I think that's what it is. Well, today, we are going to see some... Some, some different types of soil. We're going to explore how Jesus is going to draw from something that was very familiar to his audience, this familiar imagery of farming, and he's going to impart in this imagery some profound spiritual truths about the conditions of our hearts. And through his teaching, we are going to learn that we too can cultivate our hearts into good soil, ready to receive and nurture seeds of the gospel and ultimately to produce a crop. Last week, as we have been studying through Matthew, we saw how Jesus invited us and and continues to invite us to join the family of God And we saw that when we join the family of God, Jesus also assigns to us, each and every one of us, an essential job for us in the family business. Well, today we're going to see not only Jesus teach in some parables, but we're going to take a moment here at the beginning and explain what parables are, and then we're going to examine one of them together, as we will over the next couple of weeks examine some different of his parables. So let's start first, before we dive into Matthew, with what exactly is a parable, okay? They can kind of be confusing to us. And why in the world did Jesus even teach in this style with using parables? Well, parables, they, they serve as a powerful tool for teaching. Like illustrations, they draw parallels between very familiar concepts and unfamiliar, deeper spiritual truths. In fact, the very word parable comes from two different Greek words, and it literally means to throw alongside. And that's exactly what Jesus does in so much of his parables. He takes this very familiar truth and he throws it alongside of this deep spiritual insight, profound insight about himself and about his kingdom. Now, parables, as we will see today, also serve another purpose. They give Jesus an opportunity to teach some very bold things about himself and about the kingdom of God and allow access to people who have receptive hearts and find blessing in them. And at the same time, the same teaching is veiled for those who are hardened by sin and in Jesus' case may be seeking to take his life before it was his time. So a word of caution before we dive into studying parables, uh, something that I see many people kind of fall into when they examine parables is this. Not every single detail in Jesus' parable has a direct spiritual correlation, okay? 
Not every single detail means something in the spiritual realm as well, okay? These are illustrations. These are things that Jesus uses to help convey these spiritual truths, okay? So just keep that in mind. They are analogies to illuminate deeper spiritual realities about Jesus and his kingdom. And so let's approach Jesus' parables with ears and with eyes that are ready to receive the blessings of them. And as we explore Jesus' parable, we're going to discover that listeners receive and benefit from his teaching while others remain perplexed and because of their hardened hearts, which is the main point of his parable of the different types of soil. And we're also going to learn that we too can cultivate our hearts into good soil that is receptive, that is nurturing, and that is fruitful. Now, even Jesus' closest disciples were kind of perplexed and didn't understand why Jesus taught in this way. And so they asked him that very question, Jesus, why do you teach the crowds in parables? It doesn't make any sense to us. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 13, and we'll start there in verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We love for you to use one today, or if you don't own a Bible, take one as a gift from us, please. We love to give you a copy of God's word. Matthew is on the right side of your Bible if you're looking for it. It's the first book of the New Testament. Um, right there at the beginning on your right side. And we're going to start there in Matthew 13, verse 10. It says, Then the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to, par- uh, to people in parables? He replied, Because the kingdom, the king, or excuse me, the knowledge, the, let me start that over, okay? <laughs> he replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance and whoever does not have even what they what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see and though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous, uh, righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So Jesus answers his disciples as they question him about why he uses parables to teach the large crowds of people. And Jesus tells them that his purpose for using parables serves to separate those who had open hearts and who were eager to grasp the truths of the gospel and to produce a crop from those who had hardened or calloused hearts who would remain unchanged by its message. And despite... Many of those people witnessing Jesus' miracles and hearing his teachings firsthand, 
Many of them still remained blind and deaf to the truth of the gospel and who Jesus was in his kingdom because their hearts were hardened by sin. So his disciples asked Jesus, why do you teach this way? And the reason they asked is because right before this, Jesus taught that way. He taught a parable to this large crowd and it follows his parable of the sower. And the whole point, as we will see, of his parable of the sower is to illustrate the different responses to the gospel because of the soil of people's hearts. So let's go back up and look at verse 1 and begin to look at this parable that Jesus taught that brought about this question of his disciples. Verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and such a large, a large crowd gathered around him, and he got into the boat and sat in it, and while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow, uh, sow his seed. And as he scattered his seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places. Oh, I, I jumped ahead. Sorry about that. So some fell... Uh, he scattered his seed, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. So, Jesus presents this very familiar farming language, this farming scene to a group who had grown up farming, much like many of us maybe have. I, I know we have a few farmers here with us, and I know that we have a, a few people who, even though you aren't farmers now, grew up on farms and around farming as a kid. And so maybe this scene that Jesus is describing is pretty familiar to you. The different soils in Jesus' parables represent the different conditions of people's hearts. He first shares about the seed that falls on the hardened path. These are hearts that are closed off to the gospel message, just like the hard, pressed, compact soil of the well-worn path. These people's hearts are hardened because they are living with and in and for sin. What ends up happening is the gospel message doesn't take root in their life because their hearts are hard to it. And Jesus explains this in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. So we see that hearts that are like the path, they hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and they quickly dismiss it because of the hardness of their sin-bound hearts. Now, friends, maybe, like the path, you too have been hardened because of sin. And maybe you've even experienced times, maybe for a short time or for a long time, that your hearts too were like the path. And yet God, through his people and through life's trials, seeks to soften the hardness of our hearts so that we can become receptive to the gospel. But friends, the ultimate choice 
is still yours? Will you allow God to cultivate the soil of your heart or will you continue to be like the path with hardened hearts? I've often heard it said that trials and hardships and suffering in life will either do one of two things. It will either make you bitter or it will make you better. And the choice is yours, which it will be. Friends, God wants you to have good soil in your hearts, but oftentimes our hearts are hard and we don't want God to change them. We would rather be bitter and walk away instead of being humble and allowing God to make us better and make us into good soil. But the choice is ours. Will we allow God to cultivate the good soil in our hearts or will we stay like the path with hardened hearts, rejecting his grace? The next type of soil that Jesus presents to us is the rocky soil. Look at verse five. And just so you know, I probably should explain this earlier. Jesus speaks to these large crowds here in the first couple of verses. And then those first verses we looked at, verses 10 through 17, he's talking directly to his disciples. And then he is explaining in the back part to his disciples directly the meaning of these parables. And so what we're going to do is look at Jesus' parable and then his explanation of each of these types of soils. Okay, so that's why we're jumping back and forth. Sorry I didn't explain that earlier. Look at verse 5. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. And then let's look at the explanation of this in verse 20. The seed falling on the rock, rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The rocky soil is people whose hearts have initially received the gospel message, even with enthusiasm and excitement, but quickly falter when faced with trials and persecutions. People's, people whose hearts are like the rocky soil, they shoot up quickly because the soil is shallow of their hearts. But when the fire of trials and persecution and trouble come, they quickly burn out because they have no roots. These are the people who maybe start following Jesus and are excited about that. But then somebody begins to question them about God or about their faith. I can't believe that you're believing in myths. I can't believe you're going to church with all of those hypocrites. And quickly, things maybe start to fall apart in their life. Maybe they begin to, to face hardships and loss. And that excitement that they had at first quickly fades under the pressure and under troubles. Like the rocky soil because they have no roots, their faith extinguishes quickly. 
So Jesus shares the first two, the soil that's like the path that is hardened and rejects the, the gospel message from the beginning and is snatched away by the evil one. The rocky soil has no roots and is quickly burned out. And then the third type of soil that Jesus shares is found in verse 7. It says, The other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up quick and choked the plants. And then he explains this in verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The, so the soil that is in the thorns are the people whose hearts are entangled by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. And these things end up hindering and choking out the growth and the crop that God wants to bear in their life. People whose hearts are like the soil in the thorns, they maybe even like the rocky soil shoot up quickly with excitement. But when the worries and the deceitfulness of wealth come, they end up being choked out and become unfruitful. It's a key word that you need to remember. They spring up quickly, ready to follow Jesus to the very ends of the earth. You know, I was reading about Peter this morning in the garden. And Peter, he was kind of like this. And we see this evident in the garden. Jesus tells them, they're getting ready to arrest me. I'm getting ready to die. And Peter says, uh-uh, I will follow you to jail and even to death. And Jesus says, I tell you before the rooster crows, you will deny me even knowing me. These people are excited about following Jesus. But then when the worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth come, they end up becoming unfruitful. When they realize that they have to change who they're living for, they can't just live for themselves anymore, they can't be the center of their universe anymore, when they can't live for sin anymore, they soon get choked out. And then finally, Jesus gives us the fourth type of soil. We have the soil that's like the path. We have the rocky soil. We have the soil that is among the thorns. And finally, Jesus says, still, other seed fell on good soil. And there it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then in verse 23, he explains. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word. Notice that that's the same in all four of them, but this is where it is different. Hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. So Jesus here presents these four types of soils to the crowds. The, the soil that's like the path that is hardened by sin. The soil that is like the rocks that has no roots and is quickly burned out. The soil that is, is among the thorns that starts to spring up. And then before it can produce a crop, ends up being choked out by the worries of life. And then finally, the good soil, that the seed falls among. These are those who hear the good news of Jesus who believe it and then become fruitful, be, produce a crop. 
They understand it and they bear fruit from the gospel. And friends, as we think about these four types of soils and these four conditions of people's hearts, each and every one of us must must have an honest look as we examine the condition of our own hearts. Our hearts harden like the path. Are our hearts shallow like the rocky soil? Are our hearts being choked out by the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth? Or are our hearts receptive and fertile like the good soil? What is the condition of your heart? What type of soil represents your heart? And friends, as we examine the condition of our hearts, I want to share with you just a couple of things that we can do to help cultivate our hearts into good soil. First, if we are going to cultivate the soil of our hearts to be like this good soil that hears and understands and produces a crop, we first must be receptive. We must be receptive. Notice that the path... The hearts that are like the path don't even receive the message. The rocky and the thorny soil, they become hindered and entangled by the troubles of life and the worries of life and by sin. It reminded me of what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, he says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. If you've ever done any gardening or even in the flower bed, you can understand these words that the writer of Hebrews is saying here. If you have weeds that come up and thorns that come up and begin to entangle and hinder the growth of those things. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The writer of Hebrews continues and says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Friends, if we want to cultivate our hearts into good soil, we need to remove anything that hinders its growth. We need to remove and throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. We must cultivate a receptive heart to begin with. Now, friends, the Holy Spirit is the one who cultivates our hearts, while at the same time, we also have a responsibility to cultivate our hearts. We work hand in hand with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without him, and he can't do it against our hearts wanting to. Paul tells us that we live by the Spirit, so let us walk by the Spirit. We can't stop the work the Spirit is doing. We must work hand in hand with him to cultivate receptive hearts. We have to cultivate receptive hearts. The second thing that we must do is nurture spiritual growth. Notice that the good soil in Jesus' parable not only hears and understands, and believe, but believes. 
Just as a farmer fertilizes the ground and the soil, we too must nurture spiritual growth by growing in scripture together, by connecting with other believers, with prayer and encouragement and accountability. And friends, life groups are an amazing place to do just that. We have a number of life groups that are a part of Journey Church here. And these are great places for you to connect with other followers of Jesus, for you to study God's word together, for you to pray with each other and encourage each other and connect with each other. And as we've already mentioned this morning, there are some amazing groups outside of Journey Church. And we don't care whether it's Brothers in the Field or one of our life groups or the women's group that meets at Washington Methodist Church or wherever those are. What we care about is you connecting with other followers of Jesus because it is essential for us to have those relationships with other followers of Jesus to nurture spiritual growth. It doesn't happen by yourself. You can't be a follower of Jesus and not be connected to other followers of Jesus. Because, like the rocky soil, your roots will be very shallow. And when the sun comes and beats down on you, I've seen it time and time again, you'll quickly burn out. We must nurture spiritual growth, and we must do that with other believers people who you can study God's word with, people who you can encourage and that can encourage you, people who are gonna love you enough to correct you and hold you accountable. We must be connected with others if we are going to nurture spiritual growth in our lives. We have to cultivate receptive hearts. We must nurture spiritual growth. And third, good soil produces a crop. Friends, if we are going to be good soil, we must put our faith in action. James tells us in his word that faith without works is dead. God, a good soil bears fruit. If we follow the example of Jesus, we will serve other people. We will obey God's word in our everyday life. Good soil produces a crop. If we are good soil, we, you will see the evidence of that in the fruit that is produced throughout our lives. Friends, if we are going to be good soil, we have to cultivate a receptive heart. We have to nurture spiritual growth. We have to produce a crop. And fourth, good soil, good soil is resilient. It's resilient in adversity. I want you to notice back at Jesus' words in his parable. Jesus doesn't say that good soil doesn't face the evil one. Jesus doesn't say that good soil doesn't face persecutions. Jesus doesn't say that good soil doesn't face hardships or worries. And if you hear anybody teaching or preaching those types of things, you should probably run away. Because what Jesus teaches us and what the rest of the New Testament teaches us is that if you follow Jesus, you certainly will face the evil one, persecutions, hardships, trials. The difference between the good soil and the rocky soil and the soil and the thorns and the path is not that the good soil doesn't 
doesn't face any of those different things. The difference is the good soil produces a crop still, despite them. Despite worries and hardships and persecutions. Good soil produces a crop still because good soil is resilient, even in adversity. Listen to what James tells us. Maybe you're familiar with these verses in James 1 verse 2. He says, consider your pure joy that you don't have to face any of those things. No, that's not what he says, is it? He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face, not if ever, <laughs> whenever, it's coming. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then look at verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work. Not so that you can rise above having to face hardships. No, he says, let perseverance finish this work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Friends, hearts that are made of good soil are receptive. Hearts that are made of good soil grow. They produce a crop and they are resilient, even in the face of persecution and trials and hardships and worry and the evil one. All throughout the New Testament, we see this plea not to get away from the worries of this world or the, the pressures of this world, but to stand firm even in them. Stand firm. Be resilient in them. Finally, good soil not only is resilient in adversity, but good soil then in turn becomes the farmer. It scatters more seed of the gospel. Friends, if our hearts are made of good soil, we become seed-bearing, sowing the seeds of the gospel. We help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. So friends, let me ask you this morning. With whom are you scattering seeds of the gospel? Is it your family? your neighbors, your classmates, your coworkers? Who are you scattering seeds of the gospel? Now, we aren't responsible for the growth. That's not our job or our responsibility. We are called still to scatter. Just like the farmer in Jesus' parable, we don't control the types of soil of people's hearts. Some, when we scatter the seeds of the gospel in their life, some of them will accept it like good soil and, and will grow, but others will spring up quickly and burn out just as quickly or choke out just as quickly. And yet, still others that we share seeds of the gospel with will reject it altogether. But friends, you and I are called to scatter it still. Hearts of good soil receive, grow, produce, endure, and ultimately become bearers of the gospel message as well. Go and make disciples, Jesus commanded us. So what's the soil of your heart? Has your heart been hardened by sin? 
Is your whole life full of sin because that's all that you know? Maybe you even think, you know what? I've really got to get my life cleaned up so that I can come to Jesus because there's no way that he will take me as I am. But friends, it's the other way around. We come to Jesus and he changes us. So friends, will you come today? Will you let Jesus make you into good soil? Friends, maybe today though, you are like the the rocky and the thorny soil and maybe you've been burdened by troubles and choked out by worries. Friends, I want you to know that you don't have to do this alone. Come and allow your roots to grow deep by studying God's word with some other followers of Jesus. It will help clear out the thorns and the rocks that maybe have come up in your life. Come and connect with other followers of Jesus that can walk through this messy thing called life with you. You can't grow deep roots. You can't remove the thorns by yourself. And we don't want you to. We want to connect with you so that all of us can become the good soil that Jesus wants us to be. Let's receive, let's grow, let's be resilient, let's go and produce a crop. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus' teaching in this, this way that gives us some imagery to understand some spiritual things um, that may be harder for us to grasp. That there are conditions of our hearts that are different, like the different types of soil. Some are hard and packed down. Others don't have very far to go before they hit rocks and troubles and persecutions. And others are surrounded by the worries of of the world. And Father, some are ready to receive and to produce a crop. Father, as we examine our own hearts this morning and the conditions of them, Father, help us to help us to, to lean and trust in you that you will, will cultivate in us good soil. Help us to partner with you in this way. If there are those that, that are here this morning, Father, would you lead them to come and allow your son to, to wash them clean? to give them a fresh start, to give them forgiveness through his sacrifice. For those of us who already have, Father, remind us of your goodness and your mercy. As Taylor read earlier, that while we were your enemies, you demonstrated your own love for us in sending him for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this reminder of communion that you've given us that we can remember you through the bread and the cup. Father, we thank you for your son's sacrifice and we thank you for his resurrection this morning. We ask all of this in his precious name, amen.